0: What's up, healer? I'm your host, Q Morgan, and you're listening to Modern Healing, the podcast that teaches you how to manage your own mental space in more ways than one. On this episode, we'll talk all things therapy and all things millennial. I guess you can call it healing the millennial. Come on, let's dive into the conversation. Let's go on the journey of healing. feels like forever since we last talked and honestly it's been a while but life has gotten so busy for me i mean when i started my podcast i was living in california at the time i've moved to oklahoma and now currently living in san antonio and let me say texas is hot by the way (laughs) but i feel like i've been fighting myself to get back to the thing that i love that's podcasting. But fear creeped in and I said, how do I start something and stop and start again? But I had to learn that your words create your world. And you've got to speak positivity no matter how you feel. And while you're taking the time to lend to those low moments, you got to remind yourself who you are and what you can do. It's crazy because some nights I would stay up Thinking about, man, getting back to podcasting. And it wasn't the noise that kept me up. It was the silence. The silence of being in my own head and being in my own thoughts. You ever just paused and had a moment? And said to yourself, I gotta get back to me. Because being me is what's keeping me alive. Listen, when I think about all of the things that we go through as millennials, all of the things that we deal with and endure, it it blows my mind. But you have to do what suits your soul. You know, I was reading an article the other day and it said, this millennial generation is often referred to as the generation of therapy. The therapy generation. The article went on to say that we've become so insecure that we'll never be able to excel in our dreams. That we'll never be able to live life beyond what we've seen. In fact, it said this generation is dealing with more things like depression, anxiety, loan debt, educational struggles, unemployment, financial insecurity, and even technology addiction the article said that this generation is dealing with a lot. And according to the findings based on a survey by the Harrison Poll, over 2,000 U.S. adult millennials have an average of $27,900 in debt. And unlike baby boomers who had a peaceful life, this millennial generation is struggling to be at peace and to be content with who they are. They are constantly seeking for some type of resolution, some type of help, some type of mentoring, some type of quick thing just to make life all make sense. It's crazy. I resonated a lot with that article. And I realized that I'm not the only one dealing or going through as a millennial, but that there are others just like me. And it's crazy because how selfish is it of me to think I'm the only one? The only one going through something. The only one dealing with things. The only one fighting. That's not true. We all struggle, and we all go through. And honestly, we all need therapy. The other day I read a quote that said, people in therapy often go to therapy To deal with the people in their lives who won't go to therapy. I mean, if that's not the truth, I don't know what is. It's funny. One day I was sitting down and I was listening to this podcast by the great Simon Sinek. And if you don't know who he is, do me a favor. Go and look him up. His expertise in the areas of marketing and human behavior and emotion are iconic. But on this particular interview, he was sitting down talking with a woman by the name of Sarah Kubrick. And they were talking about setting boundaries on his podcast, A Bit of Optimism. And I want to take you inside that interview. Okay, so I know you're the millennial therapist because you're a millennial, not because you necessarily only talk to millennials. But let's be honest, millennials love you. As you're talking about, you know, they're doing it now because it feels like the stakes are lower, and there may be a shock later when they realize there's actually a lot of work to do in whatever this new thing they wanna do is, sounds eerily like some of the complaints levied against the millennial generation in the past, discuss. (laughs)
1: Look, I don't think that millennials are entitled or lazy across the board. I actually don't think that's true at all. I think millennials work really freaking hard. And I think what we've accomplished as a generation is quite remarkable. We've mm-hmm. changed society. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. Do I think we always have the tools to cope with yeah. the society we've created? No. Yeah. I think there's so much pressure on us at any really job at this point that it's okay if you're failing too. like there is grace there for me, because now it's not enough that you just have a job, but it has to be a really cool job that also your friends kind of want. And it also has to be super meaningful, but you also need to be making millions and you also need to be an activist in some way. And you also, and also, and also, and so the stakes are just so high. And I think we have set unrealistic expectations. And so people walking away Part of it makes sense and part of it could be for their own mental health and part of it could be just that we don't have the tools to stick it out.
0: Wow. I see why Sarah is the millennial therapist. As a writer for USA Today and with over 1.4 million followers on Instagram, she is a true advocate for healing, therapy in all things wellness and she's for the millennials and so i knew i had to talk to her because i i've got so many questions and so i did what q morgan does best i had to give her a call hey sarah thank you so much for taking the time to join me on my podcast today i appreciate it
1: thank you so much for inviting me
0: Sarah, with all that's going on in the world today, when should we as millennials take the time to actually seek out therapy and get the help we need?
1: That's a great question. Um, coming from a therapist, my answer <laughs> might be a bit biased. Um, I generally think that at any point we can benefit from therapy. If um, It could just be upkeep. It can be... Um, being proactive about the struggles that you can foresee coming. It can be actually dealing with things that we're struggling to process in the moment. Um, And a lot of the times they say, if it's crossed your mind, it's probably time. If it's something that you've contemplated, if it's something that you've Googled, if it's something you've chatted about, then it might be worth looking into. I don't think there's a right and a wrong time to go see a therapist. I just think it depends when you're ready, when it's the right time for you. And that's something that only you can determine.
0: Now, I've heard that every therapist has a therapist. Do you have a therapist as well?
1: Um yes. So I had well, I had a therapist. I haven't in the last little while just because I've been traveling so much, but I've definitely um gone to therapy in the past.
0: And what what made you want to be a therapist yourself?
1: Yeah, so I think just kind of a combination of life experiences. Um I was born in the Balkans and uh, By age of nine, I experienced two wars, um, and then quickly following that, we immigrated to Canada. So there was a lot of transition, um, a lot of exposure to trauma, and I think I became really curious at at a young age um, about human behavior. How How come there is so much pain? How come there is so much aggression? How can we do this to one another, I think is kind of the very. questions that were left with me from a very, very young age. And as I grew older, those questions evolved, and my desire to help alleviate some of that pain grew as well. And so I feel like I always wanted to be a therapist, but it really stems from my childhood experiences.
0: You know, I you, you mentioned the, the, the word childhood, and there's so much that comes to mind because I feel like a lot of us, you know, even in our adulthood, we're still dealing with things from our childhood because mm. we never have faced them. How do you deal with those childhood traumas and, and pain?
1: I think that um, acknowledging them and validating validating them is such an important first step. I think a lot of the times we're driven by things we're not even conscious of. And I think Realizing and accepting that this is a part of our narrative is so important because then we have a foundation on which we can change that relationship to our past. Our past will never change. It's there. There's nothing we can do about that. But what we can change is how we relate to it, what place it kind of occupies in our everyday life. Um, And I think that that's really where processing childhood trauma um, comes in.
0: I would 100% agree. And it's it's crazy because I didn't start dealing with the childhood things until I got into my adulthood. But, you know, I'm so glad that I went back and I had a conversation with my younger self because I realized that a lot of the identity issues that I was having was as a result of things that had happened in my childhood that I never dealt with. And I realized that the most prominent thing in my life was just rejection and the fear mm. of being rejected and I think I mean even the people I talk to every single day they're like you know I'm just I'm just afraid of being rejected how do we how do we get over rejection
1: wow (laughs) easy questions I see great (laughs) um I think the fear of rejection is just so universal and it is so human um and one of the best ways to face that fear, and I don't think that fear will ever really fully go away, uh, just because I think it's our human nature to want that sense of belonging and acceptance. And I think it's actually quite healthy um, if it's done with within boundaries. But fear of rejection, the way that I approach it, is really just inner self-acceptance. I think that rejection by others is almost like putting oil on fire, when there is inner rejection. And that's why it hurts so much. Most of the times we're not accepting ourselves. And we're expecting others to do that for us. And when they don't, it's kind of like our lifeboat got taken away. And so part of that is just really learning to accept ourselves so that other people's rejections or acceptance um, don't have as big of an impact on us. Of course they will. But it won't be the same. It won't be as detrimental.
0: And that is, that is so good. Like I was like writing as you were talking because I'm like, that's, that's golden. That is, that's golden because I feel like so many people deal with rejection and all and it, it, what doesn't make it better, like is social media, right? Like mm-hmm. we see things on social media and we're like, man, like yeah, even myself, like I got stressed out. I'm like, I got to be married by 30. I got to have kids. Like I got to get this thing going. Somebody come here. Right. Like. Really? all of these these things because i have seen so much on social media and i realized that sometimes social media it raises my anxiety mm. like so so high and mm. i've had to literally like set timers like no get off it this time like and you can't get back on because Good for you yeah because like, i don't i don't want it to control my anxiety and i feel like with so much happening in the world right now everybody is anxious about so many things what are some practices we can put in place beyond stop scrolling on social media um that we can put in place to kind of control anxiety
1: yeah um so there's several i'm trying to select which ones i think would be the most (laughs) appropriate over a podcast um I feel like structure is so important for anxiety. Mm, I I mean, there's a coronavirus that's happening right now. There's social media inputs. There is a lot of high expectations and all these things are feeding into at least the millennial sense of anxiety a lot of the times. And I think having structure is really important, especially now during the coronavirus. And so having a routine, having a set um, meaning, in your day is so so crucial. I like that you have set boundaries for how much time you spent on social media. I think that's perfect because not only are you limiting the exposure to messages that might not be conducive to your authentic self but what you're doing at the same time is you're telling yourself like hey I love you enough that I'm protecting you. I love wow. you enough that I'm taking care of you. And when I talk about structure and routines, I'm not just doing it as a way to like control your behavior or, you know, turn you into someone that's, that's rigid. When I talk about routines, I honestly think it's a way for us to feel held, loved, taken care of. Um, and I think that that's really, really important when it comes to anxiety. Anxiety, we need inner safety to fight off anxiety. Environmental safety, great. Inner safety is really what needs to be built up though and one of the best ways we can do that is to show ourselves how much we love, respect and protect who we are.
0: It, it's it's a you're you're just absolutely amazing <laughs> because you you cannot talk to the millennial therapist and not talk about things like rejection, social media, anxiety. Like I'm I'm going down this list of things that I know that me and many of my friends like we deal with, right? And of course, yeah. some of them are hard truths, but they're reality. Mm. And you know, and I think anxiety is something that we can control rejection Mm. is something that we can control social media is something that we can control and i've learned to control the controllable
1: Mm.
0: which isn't always easy right
1: no (laughs) and differentiating what is controllable and what is not is a skill within itself right and so it seems like you are able to differentiate the two and that is just so important
0: You know, when it comes to relationships, I think millennials have a lot of questions. And during my conversation with Sarah, I wanted to ask her exactly how do we as millennials do relationships better?
1: Yeah, that's a great topic. I do think that there seems to be a theme within millennials with where, where we struggle with relationships. And it's interesting I, when you pointed out, like we're good at friends, we're good at work. So why aren't we so good at relationships? Is it just lack of priority or are we missing some skills or are we not good with boundaries when it comes to uh, kind of allocating time for different areas of our life? Um, and all of these might be true. I think it really does depend on each individual. I think the key to having healthy relationships romantic relationships in particular and now i'm going to sound like a broken record is really (laughs) working on your relationship with yourself um Mm -hmm. you are half the equation how you show up will shape that relationship significantly you cannot expect to have a super healthy relationship if there's a bunch of stuff that you're having a hard time facing dealing articulating if you're having a hard time even validating your own self chances are you're not going to bring yourself wholly into that relationship. You're not going to know how to. Um, and so I think it's really important that before we even think about entering romantic relationships, there's this process of honesty and this dialogue of, am I ready to do that? Now, this does not mean that we need to reach this like level of perfection and healing before we enter a relationship. Absolutely not. And it's just not humanly possible and relationships can be really healing and they can be a really great growing experience. But I think having that sense of awareness of like what baggage am I bringing in with me? Um, What, Areas am I not super great at when it comes to maybe boundaries or communication and just being really upfront about it maybe even talking to your partner about that and be like this is something I'm actively working on but I think we need more transparency and more awareness when it comes to our romantic relationships Um, and one other thing that kind of happens is I often hear people fall into relationships almost like accidentally it's like well we went on to a couple dates and then it just kind of evolved and no one broke it off and like now we're just dating and it's been six months and I sometimes (laughs) feel like there is a lack of intentionality it's like you know dating someone out of pure boredom or dating someone uh because you feel like you should because the time's Ticking, And, you know, you're 30 now and it's like, okay, it's time to get married and you start dating people. Um, Again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But it's really important to understand what your intention is. And your intention will really shape that relationship as well. And so when people go into relationships with intention, I think chances are it's going to be a much healthier relationship. And there's going to be conversations. I think it's so important to have conversations about what is the goal of this relationship? Is it to just enjoy each other's company for the next year? Is it? Is there an end goal to this relationship? Uh, what are the boundaries in this relationship? And the third one is what are the expectations? Um, we just assume so much is implicit. And people will just know. And that's just not true. So we're not really communicating with one another. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls is this lack of communication, transparency, and then the self-awareness.
0: You just helped so much. Like you all need to find her right now and just tell her thank you because she just helped you with your relationship. (laughs) Wow, man there there was there was so much truth and you mentioned my favorite word and that's that's healing Mm. and i don't think we do enough and a good job at taking the time to heal ourselves Mm. and like you said a lot of times we just carry so many things over into that relationship and we just stumble we stumble Mm. after stumbling after stumbling and we wonder what the heck why isn't this working like Mm but it's because we just keep stumbling when we we need to be a little bit more intentional. And I wish we would be even more intentional about our healing. Mm. And I don't, I don't think people know how to, how do we heal Sarah? Like talk to us about, about healing.
1: Wow. You're just (laughs) asking all the hard questions this morning. That's good. (laughs) It wakes me up. Um, Here's an answer people won't like, necessarily, and that's that healing will look differently for everyone. I wish there was a formula where we go, okay, A, B, C, and once you pass these steps, you're going to reach this ultimate, you know, state of healing and wholeness, and that's just not true, but there's something really beautiful about that, that healing will entail something differently depending on your life experiences. It will be very unique to who you are, to your strengths. Um, and there is a big component of collaboration. So healing is not something that happens to you. It's something you actively collaborate on with your environment, with the people around you, potentially with your therapist. And it can be an incredibly empowering experience. Um, so I think healing happens with intention. I think that's an important one. That seems to be the buzzword today. But healing is very intentional. Healing is not easy a lot of the time. Um, Healing hurts. (laughs) These are truths that a lot of people don't talk about. And so let's say that you may go to a therapy session, sometimes I'll say, you know, things might get worse before they get better. Because to heal, it's almost like cleaning a wound, you really need to get in there. You need to take out all the pus, you need to take out all the buildup. Clearly not a medical doctor here. You need to take out whatever it is that's in there, and before that you can close the wound. And so that's kind of the same thing with healing. Uh, it can be a very very painful experience but it but it's so incredibly liberating and empowering that it offsets that eventually and so that's just kind of um something to keep in mind and as to how to heal I think that journey will look very different for everyone but I think the consistent component there is just being intentional and willing to do the work being very honest with yourself and then just showing yourself so much love and grace it is so important to just have compassion. Um, healing is hard, and once you realize that, you're going to be a lot more loving and gentle with yourself.
0: Wow, that that is you. You answered that perfect. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a hard question for you. <laughs> it is
1: a hard question.
0: <laughs> Man, that was that was amazing because i I want us I want us to heal. I don't mm. want my generation to continue to fall and not love completely and continue to hurt ourselves and self-sabotage relationships and not be gentle with ourselves because we never took our healing seriously mm. and you know i'm I'm learning personally to be gentle with myself you know I realized that I was I was hard on myself like i I never took the time to have positive self-talk I was mm. always like you need to do this. You should be doing that. You should be starting a career. What do yeah. you mean you don't have a master's yet? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it, totally. it was all of this, this negative talk. And I think if I could ask a personal question for me is, how do I continue to be gentle with
1: myself? Mm. Yeah. That's such a great question.
0: You know? And I think... Being gentle is important, you know? How, how do you practice gentleness yourself? Mm.
1: Yeah, so my rule of thumb generally is if you wouldn't say this to someone else, there's no space for you to be saying it to yourself. Wow. Um and sometimes that works and sometimes it does like because you're like i would totally tell this to someone else and you're like okay maybe that's a different issue now altogether. that you shouldn't be saying things like that to anybody ever uh, but most of the time it's a pretty good rule of thumb and i realized with the whole journey of reclaiming my authentic self and really growing into that is there's something really beautiful and intimate about the relationship we have with us it's something that we won't experience with anyone else. Um, And the type of support and love that we can receive from ourselves is something that we try to outsource a lot of the time. And after a while, I just realized, you know what? It's so much easier to just offer it to myself (laughs) instead of trying to please others to get something, to get this validation, to get this kindness that I actually have access to. Um, And my goal with the with living an authentic life and reclaiming myself, a lot of it is being my best friend. I can be my own best friend. And there's something really kind of childish about that, but in the best way possible. (laughs) It's very playful, it's very intimate, it's very pure. Think about your best childhood friend, growing up. There's this acceptance. There is this forgiveness. And I just think our inner child needs a best friend. And we can totally be that for ourselves. We can silence that inner critic who is more like the adult oftentimes or that internalized voice of an adult from our childhood. Um, And that does not need to be the prevalent voice. We can be that kindness and that inner best friend.
0: If you had to leave this generation with three things, three things of you should do this, or you need to be focused on this, or you should be working on this, what would those three things be? Ooh! <laughs> uh, I, know I ask like very random, crazy questions.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so good, Just keeping me on my toes. Um, I believe. One of the things we need to work on collectively as a society and as individuals is awareness. I feel so passionately about that and I don't think we can create change on a micro or macro scale without awareness. So self-awareness is something I I kind of teach all the time on Instagram and in my therapy. And so if something that you can work on... Um, or something our generation can work on, really, I think is just that self-awareness piece. Um, I think that that would be really transformational. Um, Honesty and vulnerability are the next things that come to mind. Um, I think that they kind of go hand in hand, but if we learned how to be honest with ourselves, chances are we are going to have an easier time being honest with others. And what that means is we're going to be more upfront about our needs. We're going to be more upfront about our boundaries. We're going to, as a consequence, have much healthier relationships with others and ourselves. We're going to prevent the temptation of self-betrayal. And so I think that that's something that Is really really an important skill for us to work on and the third one is vulnerability I mean intimacy I think is really correlated to vulnerability and everyone wants to belong we all want to feel accepted and loved and one of the best ways to do that and also the scariest ways to do that is just to be vulnerable and really give ourselves permission to show up and I think that this is a really difficult skill, but such a beautiful and important one. And so um, if you want to have healthier relationships, this is something that can be a bit of a focus. So yeah, self-awareness, honesty, and vulnerability.
0: I just thank you so much for your time the amazing words and insight and and just love and light that you've shared um, during this podcast interview it means everything to me and I really really appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me you have some incredibly um, insightful questions that have definitely thrown me off but I I just love where your mind goes and I I am really um i feel
0: really honored to be here and have the chat with you so thank you very much well that's all for now listen if you've enjoyed this podcast be sure to leave us a rating and a review because it allows for others desiring healing to find us well until next time keep healing